Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. In light of Jesus' warning that good fruit cannot come from a bad root, we continue to investigate Mormon fundamentalism and the root of Mormonism itself. But before we get started on today's show, we would like to let you know how we can help you or someone you know get out of polygamy if you want to escape. We can help you. We can help you in various aspects of getting out and escaping and uh, help you with life after you leave. You can call our toll-free number 1-877-425-9993 or you can go to our website shieldandrefuge.org to find out more about us. Everything that we discuss, of course, is held in complete complete confidentiality. If you would like to contact us regarding any of our shows or if you'd like to be a guest on our show and tell about your experiences in polygamy, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. You can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Also, audio versions of this program are available to download and take with you. You can find information on how to do that on our website's main page or you can go to soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis and in addition to SoundCloud, our show is also on iTunes podcast. And now I would like to thank, introduce, and thank again our co-host Earl Erskine. Happy to be here. For Thanks. For, for, being, for being happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a, such a, a privilege such to a, work through these things with yeah, you. Yeah, and it's such fascinating information. So We're both great from to both share ends it. of the spectrum, we but are. we have the same exact background yeah. in Mormonism. Yeah. Almost exact, I should say. Yeah. You know, we keep our eyes and our ears alert for published materials or guests or speakers or uh, remarks that are relevant to our mission of helping polygamists understand that polygamy did not originate with God. Recently I heard about and subsequently purchased a book entitled Mormonism Against Itself written by Raymond D. Moore. Now this book very clearly and laboriously lays out how from the very beginning, Mormonism and their doctrine and Mormon speakers and their prophets have consistently contradicted themselves about historical events and about what they actually believe. It's very confusing, to say the least. Yes. And since this show is produced for the purpose of bringing the truth of early Mormon polygamy to Mormon fundamentalists, the next few shows uh, will be relevant um, a relevant review of this book for our viewers. Hopefully you'll come to realize that Mormonism is a twisted and tangled up mass of contradictory statements and doctrine. Yeah, I, I should have <laughs> recognized that, but I never did. Never did. No. Well, <clears throat> we have a quote from Jesus in yes. Matthew chapter 7. That's right. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Now it says that the root cannot, cannot, cannot bear. produce good fruit. Yeah. 
So we have to keep that in mind as we do this. Recent cases, court cases, books that have been written, television shows, testimonies of escapees from polygamy have established the fact that when held up to biblical standards, the fruit of Mormon polygamy is bad fruit from a bad root that has ruined and devastated the lives of so many people. Accordingly, we pray that people will reject and turn from the root of Joseph Smith's polygamy and embrace Jesus and his word alone. This book, Mormonism Against Itself, is a great source for your own personal investigation. We highly recommend it. You can find it on Amazon.com, which is where I got mine. James 1.17 informs us that God is not in a state of change. He never changes. <laughs> no. His commands for our behavior never changes. His way to eternal life never changes. He doesn't command polygamy at one point in history and then changes to condemning it at another point. We read in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, 5 and 6. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Okay, yeah. so there's no darkness in no. God. There's no change in him. So with that in mind, we encourage our viewers to study the history of Mormonism and determine if it could possibly have come from God who doesn't change or change his mind. Now, our first quote from the book comes from the introduction. The reader, and Mormons themselves for that matter, may be amazed at the complete reversal of doctrine which the church experienced between the years 1830 and 1844. Okay, now that's yeah. the time. We're going to cover some of those times right. with this particular show and, and most of the next show. Chapter 2 of the book uh, discusses the forthcoming of the Book of Mormon. It quotes Mark Twain who called the Book of Mormon <laughs> chloroform in print. And it also includes a response from a Lamanite who was asked his opinion of the Book of Mormon soon after it had been printed, we quote. <laughs> the most brutal review, sorry, most brutal review, however, came from a lowly Lamanite. We have a Mormon paper to thank for passing on the story. An old Indian, having attended a Mormon meeting and heard one of its advocates extol Mormonism, was requested to give his opinion of its merits. He began by detailing the great good that has been done by the Bible, God being the author, and said he, the devil seeing this, determined to have a Bible of his own also. But on examination he felt ashamed of his work and hid it in Ontario County, New York. But Joseph Smith dug it up and published it as a revelation from God. <laughs> I hadn't funny. heard that quote before. I haven't either. <laughs> now we read, by the way, the book has all the footnotes. So for, yeah. our, for our viewers. And it's also in the Times and Seasons. Times I think and Seasons, which, which is a Mormon published paper. That's right. We need to remember also that the Book of Mormon refers to the Lamanites as wicked and loathsome, as dirty people who will turn white when they become righteous from Mormonism. Of course, that statement didn't come from God. The church officially organized on April 6th of 1830, and Joseph Smith was eventually surrounded by admiring followers who were eagerly waiting the word of the Lord as it came from Joseph Smith. New ideas that Joseph Smith had became new revelations from God, and many of them, like polygamy, were extremely outrageous and offensive. Here is a strange comment that Joseph Smith made concerning the conversion and the obedience of Gentiles who would turn to Mormonism. 
Joseph Smith said that the Gentile blood was actually cleansed out of their veins and the blood of Jacob made to circulate in them. And the revolution and change in the system were so great that it caused the beholder to think they were going into fits. Really? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. The only fit the New Testament ever describes is when someone is demon-possessed and Jesus ordered the demons out of them. It's very odd, I think, that Joseph Smith would use that analogy <laughs> to compare with uh, becoming a Mormon. Yeah. Gentile blood is not cleansed from anyone's veins upon con conversion to Mormonism or any other conversion. Of course, they didn't have the DNA science, you know, as <laughs> evidence yeah. to prove that Joseph Smith's claims were nonsense. In his earlier days, Joseph Smith had been a money digger. Affidavits as well as court history proves this is true. And money digging was illegal. It involved deceit and swindling and extorting money from the people who hired the money diggers. Of course, he was digging when he came up with the golden plates and when the Book of Mormon was published, it wasn't very well received. Of course, resistance doesn't prove Mormonism is either right or wrong. But the Mormons have always taken resistance as being persecution yeah. and used it as proof that they are the only true church. Instead of checking out the truth of its origins and the violence, the illegal behavior of some of the early Mormons, their whitewashed story is widely accepted instead of the truth. Joseph Smith and his family were held in very little esteem in their community and by their neighbors. Mormons have always complained that they were persecuted because of the righteousness and holiness of their prophet and their people. Now, certainly the Mormons were persecuted, but it wasn't because of the holiness and righteousness of their leaders. Much of their persecution was a result of their own actions and aggressiveness, which put fear in non-Mormons of surrounding areas wherever they settled. In fact, Doctrine and Covenants, this is very interesting. Uh. Doctrine and Covenants uh, 97, section 97, places the blame of their persecutions on the Mormons themselves when things went bad, and we quote. For the indignation of the Lord is kindled against non-Mormon abominations and all their wicked works. Nevertheless, Zion shall escape if she observe to do all things whatsoever I have commanded her. But if she observe not to do whatsoever I have commanded her, I will visit her according to all her works, with sore affliction, with pestilence, with plague, with sword, with vengeance, with devouring fire. Nevertheless, let it be read this once to her ears. If she sin no more, none of these things shall come upon her. So that's very clear. Yeah. Joseph Smith said that God said that when bad things happened to them, it was because the church was being disobedient, disobedient, and when the church was good, good things would happen to them. So the persecutions by their own teachings was their own fault. So how can they blame anyone but themselves when bad things happen to them? No wonder the book is entitled Mormonism Against Itself. By the way, Joseph Smith's so-called revelation is from a different God than the Bible portrays. Yeah. Of course, we don't advocate any kind of violence against different uh, peoples at all. We're just talking about what the, the uh, Doctrine and Covenants said about its own persecutions. The, the God of the Bible, however, does not treat his people the same way Joseph Smith threatened the Mormons. In the end, God will treat unbelievers with the sword of judgment. But until then, he, he, God treats us with grace and mercy and patience and, and his invitation of repentance yeah. for forgiveness. He doesn't treat us with those kinds of threats. 
of course, that proves that <laughs> it didn't come from God. That's right. When Mormonism began to expand, Joseph Smith's illegal, illegal behaviors stirred up a lot of controversy, and fear came upon the Mormons' neighbors in their surrounding communities. At one point, Mormons, the Mormons mounted a holy war, and they mustered an army and marched from Kirtland toward Jackson County, Missouri, which was supposed to be their new Zion. That's right. Did you ever study Zion in the Bible to find out where it really was? Not in the Bible, no, I haven't. Well, I know where it is now. But. Yeah, it's very clear in Psalms that Zion is only Jerusalem. However, right. before their march even ended uh, towards Jackson County, they bickered among themselves. Horses got sick. Fourteen of them died from cholera. And when they finally got close to what they called Zion, the Lord obviously decided not to protect them. And it seems God blamed the Mormons themselves for his lack of protection, saying that in consequence of their transgressions, they would have to wait for the redemption of Zion. So God went back on his promise to deliver the people. Now that's according to Mormonism. Yeah. But the disasters that the Mormons experienced and the unfulfilled promises from God caused extreme anger in some, in many people actually, and they spoke out against Joseph Smith. They called a conference to investigate reports of his misconduct during the Missouri fiasco, and they were suspicious of him. We quote from the book. To say that the Jackson County affair was a disaster for Smith is to put the matter conservatively. Jackson County was promised by the Lord as a Mormon heritage. It was lost in Mormon suffering and blood. Jackson County was to be redeemed by the Lord himself. The returning army reported not only failure, but also the names of dead men. Daily the ranks of the disenchanted grew. Can you imagine? That's the, well, following the prophet, you'd think that things would work out the way he... They don't admit it today, but the Mormon church went through a lot of apostasy during these times. Yeah, I can a imagine. lot of apostates left when they realized who Joseph Smith was a fraud. Yeah. And the failure in Jackson County, Missouri was powerful evidence that Joseph Smith was a false prophet. And of course, it wasn't the only evidence that he was a failure. One of the most devastating charges against him was when he made serious changes in Mormon theology. Again, we quote from his book. The Book of Mormon, for example, portrayed hell as a place of horrible torment for the wicked, heaven as a place of joy for the righteous, and mentioned no intermediate place. In 1832, however, Smith revealed the contradictory doctrine of three degrees of glory, which said that Mormons go to a place of indescribable bliss, the celestial degree, good non-Mormons go to a place of intermediate bliss, the terrestrial, and evil men go to a place of minor bliss, the telestial. Only apostate Mormons suffer torment forever. And you know, and they still believe that. Yes, I, they I, do. I wonder, with Mormonism being so controlling, especially yeah. the polygamy groups, but Mormonism is controlling, I wonder if he just used that as a ploy to keep apostates from apostating. Sure. You know, you're, gonna, you're the only ones hearts. that get to go to hell because yeah. you're apostates from Mormonism. Yeah. Joseph Smith subsequently published the Book of Abraham, which he said was a translation of the Egyptian papyrus, which was outright fraud on his part because he knew he didn't actually translate from it. it. He knew he wasn't translating. He had no fear of God. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> no. Absolutely none. And the papyrus itself testifies that he lied about its contents. Some people were outraged that the Book of Mormon taught that there was only one true and living God 
God. But the Book of Mormon, Book of Abraham comes along and teaches that there are many gods, which is a blatant contradiction of the Book of Mormon. We quote from page 29. Some of the members left the church on account of it. A few members descended from the church as early as 1832 on account of the spiritual blindness of some of the leaders. Spiritual blindness yeah. of the leaders. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There was a lot of apostasy in early Mormons because there were many who saw Joseph Smith as a false prophet. He was a failure as a prophet. The Mormon apostasy was not because of the wickedness of the apostates, but because Joseph prophesied falsely, he changed revelations and doctrines to please himself and to kind of go along with what was going on, you know, in, in the uh, atmosphere around yeah. in the environment. And of course, there was a lot of suspicion from some of the people that he used temple money to fatten his purse. We quote, from something Brigham oh, Young always said. Always seems to come down to money, sex, and greed, and things like it does, that, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. Brigham Young's comment is pertinent. You know, that was the cry in the days of Joseph. Oh, he is after our money. You can see this in all his revelations. Money, money, money. <laughs> he wants to get your money. He pretends it is going into the hands of the bishop to purchase lands, but when he gets a hold of it, you do not get it again. It is money, money, money all the time. So that's what Brigham Young is saying the people were saying about no. Joseph Smith. Now this dissension against Joseph Smith and the very Mormon church was so great that Heber C. Kimball made this remark. At that time, there were not 20 persons on the earth that would declare that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. The apostates were so thick around us and persecution was so great, Joseph had to flee to save his own body from being slain. Okay, so there weren't 20 people, Heber C. Kimball said, Probably that believed. All those in that all lost that. money in the banks. Oh, and, yeah. And all the wives that he. The, all this stuff stirring <laughs> around them, always something going on, always yeah. conflict going on. Now remember that Joseph Smith had already recorded a revelation that persecutions to them happened because they were disobeying God. In the fall of 1838, Thomas B. Marsh, who was president of the Twelve Apostles and a couple of other leaders, exposed details of a Mormon murder organization called the Destroying Angels, which was later called the Danites. Mm -hmm. Now, testimony in court said the Danites were originally formed to drive out all apostates from the church and that Joseph Smith was the prime mover behind the Danites. We quote from page 325. The group members took an oath to conceal Danite purposes and the penalty for violation was death. Reminds me of the penalty for violation yeah. of talking about what goes on in the temple yeah. was death yeah. in, in those true. days up until 1990. Uh, uh, and testimony also came out about members of the apostates, about murders of people who apostate uh, from the church. W.W. W. Phelps testified that Sidney, Sidney Rickton made a covenant before the Danites that if a Mormon was seen to be preparing to leave, well, the quote goes like this. <laughs> Yeah, this is great. Should be killed, dragged into the brush, and given burial in a turkey buzzard's guts. <laughs> That's what they threatened apostates with. And they did no. that often, when, especially after they got here to Utah, Yeah, when they were the law, no. when Mormons were their own law. Uh, Sidney Rigdon reported that Phelps informed him that a day earlier, a man had been killed and was warned that if anyone tells about it, he shall die. Well, these statements were made before a judicial court, and so they couldn't just be overlooked and they no. couldn't be justified or brushed aside. Despite this behavior, 
they were called holy and righteous. Does this kind of thing come from holy and righteous no, leadership? You would think that you'd start questioning things, if, especially if you were related to these people that were all of a sudden gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's why there was so much apostasy yeah. in the early Mormon church. On page 40 of the book, we discover that Senate documents recorded Reed Peck's testimony that the leaders of the Danites should be given a list of Mormon dissenters which would be used as a death list. Here is Joseph Smith's reaction to the Danites. Faced with incontrovertible evidence, Joseph Smith started the whitewash by admitting that the group existed, but by minimizing it with a statement to the effect that the organization of the Danites died almost before it had existed. Several years later, when the evidence was not so fresh, he denied that it ever had existed. That's what he did with so polygamy. Yeah, that's what he did. It just, yeah, it just, he just, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, it's very frustrating. And that is why Mormonism is against itself. Yeah. I love the title of the yeah, book it because is a good one. it's so against itself. Saying one thing now and then a different thing later. Yeah. For 10 years denying polygamy and then he has 34 wives. And, and then later in 1852, they admit that they're polygamists and all that. So yeah. one of the most famous Danites was William Hickman, uh, who wrote a book about his activities. And we quote again. Proof that Hickman really wrote the book, however, is conclusive. The details Hickman gave of the murder of Yates led to the discovery of Yates's body. In addition, the widow of Jesse Hartley bitterly accused Hickman of the murder of her husband, and her statement was a matter of public record more than a decade before Hickman confessed. Have you read his book? I haven't. It's interesting. I, I had the book and I misplaced it. William I don't know where Hickman, it is, huh? but I do have a PDF of it. We may have to do a review of his book someday. Yeah. But he listed in his book several of the murders that he performed on order of Brigham Young. Really? Right. And like you just said, there, there it's not something he made up because there, there was public proof, record. public record of yeah. the things that he wrote about in the book. Wow. Um, he talks about one time he was sent by Brigham Young to be dressed as an Indian so that he could find an apostate or one of Brigham's Blame it enemies. On the uh, yeah, and, um, and kill and scalp. Uh, that person. Wow. The violence and the murders of the early Mormons do not reflect the holiness and righteousness that today's LDS and polygamists have been told their history has been. We quote again from page 330. Printed sermons of early day Mormons were very explicit concerning the fate of those who angered the church. Apostle Heber C. Kimball complained in 1857 about Mormons who would make God a drudge by asking him to do their killing for them and thundered that we intend to kill the poor curses ourselves. <laughs> Isn't that awful? They were so bold. They, they were so bold yeah. and they were so ugly out in yeah. their remarks and yeah. in their contempt of other people. Yeah. And of course Heber C. Kimball, uh, as I read and study him, he, he was really quite a disgusting person <laughs> from some of these things. See, he had 45 wives. Mm. And he's the one who said, I think no more of taking another wife than I do of buying a cow. 
and the one who told the Mormon missionaries to quit taking the pretty extra wives oh, for right. themselves Complained before they come the, home and come, put come from Europe or something. Yeah. Right, right. You got to put them there so we can choose the pretty ones too yeah, yeah. and keep yeah. the ugly ones for yourself. I mean, he was rude. It was yeah. terribly rude. But anyway, this is what he said. We uh, we intend to kill the poor drudges ourselves. Well, how does that attitude come from God or or from reflect any kind of holiness and righteousness? In fact, the opposite is true. Jesus told us to love and pray for our enemies. He never said to go kill the poor curses. But that's exactly what they did. Yeah. That's what they're talking about. And, of course, the, the most notorious of the Mormon murders was the Mount Meadows Massacre mm. in 1856, where Mormons dressed as Indians and massacred over 120 helpless and harmless yeah. men, women, and children. And I don't know, did you ever see that December Dawn? No, I never saw that. You never saw no. it. Oh, I've got the DVD. I'll have to oh. loan it to you. Oh. It was, of course, it was not watched here in right. Utah very well. That's well. probably why I didn't I, catch it. I went in the theaters with a friend um, on, a, we, on a Sunday afternoon, and there was like five people in the whole theater. <laughs> there just was no one there. It was really, and I cried through the movies because the awful things that the Mormons did in those early days yeah. uh, to protect their religion was mm. something that God in no way could ever ever have condoned. Um, we are out of time now for, yeah. for this show um, to talk more about the book, but we're going to be doing three or four shows on the book. Well, it is a fascinating title because there are so many changes, and I don't know why we don't, as thinking people, we don't recognize that critically. But you mentioned that one of the biggest is polygamy, where they denied it and denounced it for so long that they didn't practice it, yet it was in section, I mean, from section 101 in the Doctrine and Covenants and mm -hmm. all. And then the temple changes, I'm sure we'll talk about that in the next week or two, but it's just amazing all the changes they have made. And the racism, the racism and the back black away. Is And now trying to be Christian. They mm -hmm. were so much they, against Christian right. and the cross and everything. I, Mm -hmm. wonder where the cross and, will end up. And next time we'll be talking about their flip-flopping flip on the Bible, the credibility of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they are against them. They have been against them. And they will be in the future. The, yeah. Because as, as our culture changes in the country and in the world, they'll change with it. Yeah. They want to be more accepted and, and be part of the community and... Not, uh, uh, are they called the progressive Mormons? Is that what they call the progressive in doctrine? Uh, probably in some ways they're trying to main, be more mainstream and, and attract people. I do think that part of the discussion is that they don't uh, share everything up front. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we'll talk That's about true. that tomorrow. Something that, about our next time about being pickled. <laughs> Yeah, we talk we'll about, talk about that tomorrow. And, and the, that's an time. interesting quote, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Okay, so next time we'll be talking more about this book. Uh, Earl, thanks again for helping yeah. out with this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in Mormonism's eighth article of faith, which the polygamists believe in the eight, all the articles of faith, it claims that the Bible is the Word of God as far as it's translated correctly, and then they declare that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. So why do they believe uh, require a reliable translation for the Bible but not for the Book of Mormon? They believe their scriptures are inspired and accurate with no manuscript evidence to back up their claim. Why do they insist upon evidence for the Bible but not for their own book? This is a dishonest double standard. 
You know, there are 25,000 reliable manuscripts of the New Testament alone, which testifies to correct translation and transmission of its message, but not a single manuscript for the Book of Mormon to establish if it's translated correctly or not. Why? Or why not? Thank you for watching. God bless. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.